John chapter 6. We'll be reading John chapter 6, verses 53 through 71. I'll start on verse 53. Join me on verse 54 and read every other verse with me, if you wouldn't mind. John chapter 6, verses 53 through the end of the chapter. John 6, verse 53. Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except ye eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, ye have no life in you. Whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me, and I in him. As the living Father has sent me, and I live by the Father, so he that eateth me, even he shall live by me. This is the bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers did eat manna and are dead. He that eateth of this bread shall live forever. These things he said in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Many, therefore, of his disciples, when they had heard this, said, This is an hard saying. Who can hear it? When Jesus knew in himself that this disciple murmured at it, he said unto them, Doth this offend you? What and if you shall see the Son of Man ascend up where he was before? It is the Spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit, and they are life. But there are some of you that believe not. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not, and who should betray him. And he said, Therefore said I unto you that no man can come unto me, except it were given unto him of my Father. From that time many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Then said Jesus unto the twelve, Will ye also go away? Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. And we believe and are sure that thou art that Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered them, Have not I chosen you twelve, and one of you is a devil? And read verse 71 with me, please. And he spake of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, for he it was that should betray him, being one of the twelve. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness to us, Lord. Lord, thank you for church. Lord, thank you for your word. I pray, Father, that you would use your word to speak to my heart and each heart here tonight. I pray, Father, that we would be more desiring to be a, a pleasing servant to you when we leave than when we came. I pray, Father, that if there's one that's unsaved, Father, that they would get saved tonight, Lord. And I pray you would use this time. Please fill our pastor with the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. against the veil looking down with loving eyes mercy must have realized that once 
his blood was sacrificed, freedom would prevail. And as the sky grew dark and the earth began to shake, with justice no longer in the way, mercy came running like a prisoner set free. All my failures to the point of my need. When the sin that I carried was all I could see. When I could not reach mercy, mercy came running to me. Once there was a broken heart way too human from the start and all the years left it torn apart hopeless and afraid walls I never meant to build left this prisoner so far away I was bound by the chains from the wages of my sin and just when I felt like giving in mercy came running like a prisoner set free past all my failures to the point of my need when the sin that I carried was all I could see. When I could not reach mercy, mercy came running to me. Sometimes I still feel so far, far from where I really should be. He gently calls to my heart Just to remind me Mercy came running Like a prisoner set free Past all my failures To the point of my need When the sin that I carried was all I could see and when I could not reach mercy mercy came running like a prisoner set free past all my failures to the point of my need when the sin that I carried was all I could see and when I could not reach mercy, mercy came running. Hey, 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 hey. Lord, all right. Well, uh, if you
to go to John chapter 6. John chapter 6. Uh, we're not going to read back through the passage, but if you'll look at uh, verse 60, uh, we're going to read a couple of verses there, and then we'll go down a little bit further and read a couple more verses. But in uh, John chapter 6, verse 60, it says, Many therefore of his disciples, when they heard this, said, This is a hard saying. Who can hear it? When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples murmured at it, he saith unto them, Does this offend you? If you look at verse 66, it says, From that time many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Verse 67, Then said Jesus unto the twelve, Will you also go away? Let's pray. Father, I pray that you bless here tonight, Lord Jesus. I need you. Dear God, I, I felt uh, maybe today a little bit of clearing of my head. Uh, it's been a while. It's been a uh, been just just kind of a weight, a heavy burden on my heart and mind. But it seemed like uh, kind of eased up a little bit this afternoon. And, and Lord, I thank you for that. Father, I pray that you'd please, in the name of Jesus, that you would just wrap your arms around this place, and you would guide us and guard us and protect us, mighty hedge of protection, and you turn back every evil that would try to snatch away the words that are said here tonight that you won't said. And Lord, my words mean nothing, but if, if you speak through me, they mean everything. So Spirit of God, I need you, and I ask you to please guide us tonight, direct us, fill us with your presence. Help us because we're here tonight to be more like thee. I ask in Jesus' name, amen. This uh, is, is a very important passage, I believe, in the Scripture. And, but I guess even before I get started, I, again, I, one more time, I just want to thank you all for your, uh, your kindness, but especially your patience. I know that I have been a little bit cloudy and a little bit struggling here for with Brother Warren. God bless you. Good to see you. Um, and the whole family. I uh, guess got them out there. Is that three or is that four? Four over there. Okay, one's kind of way down there. Is that four girls? Come on, man. Two more and you'll be a man. I always knew I was your idol. So, see, praise the Lord. But, um, you know, I, I just appreciate it. I've been kind of in, in it, going through the the fog as I preach. I, I get through with some of the things that I preach, and I don't remember what I preach. I just, it's just been kind of that, that rough, and, but I appreciate your pa- patience, but I do feel like the Lord has kind of, kind of gave me a little bit of a clearing, like the fog starting to lift a little bit this evening, and, and so some of you would understand that, I'm sure, but sometimes God's way seems like a hard way. It just seems like what He has set before us that seems like a hard way, but in the context of the Spirit, uh, this, 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 these verses and this passage is, it's not really the things that are set before us or the, the tough path that we have to walk. It's the words that Jesus said. It's what he told them even about himself and who he was. But uh, it, it sometimes uh, we see in the Scripture some things that, if we just be honest with it, they're a little bit hard to chew. They're a little bit hard for us to accept, especially uh, as time goes on. Uh, as the world digresses and deteriorates, 
those who believe and live God's way will grow increasingly in opposition to the world. Or the world will grow increasingly in opposition to, to the, those of us. And, you know, it's, it's an old, old illustration. I'm not going to illustrate it again tonight. But, you know, if, you, if we are, as a Christian, if we uh, believe the Word of God and we are standing right here, uh, the world is going to continually move away from us because they're, going, they're in digression. They're, uh, where the world is today compared to where when I was a kid is, is mind-boggling. Uh, but truthfully, where the world is today, over the past 10 or 15 years, is, is mind-boggling. Uh, the digression that we've taken, even in our nation. And so, as the, as the world digresses, if you're going to stay where the Bible says that you're supposed to be, you're going to look weird. More and more increasingly. You're going to look different. You're going to, you're going to stand out the more you look at this book and, and say, okay, this is what God says. If I'm going to do it, and, and I was talking, I, I believe it was to my wife today. I talked to her every once in a while. And, uh, but I think I was talking to her today and, and, and saying that I don't remember what I was saying. I told you my head's clearing up, and I don't think it is. Uh, so I don't know. I'll find it again here in a moment. But... But as the world digresses and deteriorates, we're, we're going to get increasingly in opposition to the world and then appearance from the world and everything from the world. We're going to look more and more different. We're going to act more and more different uh, the more the world changes if we stay. Now, the sad thing is, is that, it, you know, the old illustration again is the more we, the world moves, it seems like the Christian is following closely after the world and always feels like, well, I'm not part of the world, but where we are is so much worse than, than what the world was, again, 50 or 60 years ago. But the question that we must consider, is there anything, this is what I want to preach about tonight, is there anything that God could ask of us or say to us that would cause us to go away? Is there anything that I could read through this scripture right now, and if I broadcast and say this is what God says, would it cause you to say, okay, that's far enough? You've gone too far. For many of the disciples, there's a line that they could not cross or would not accept. Therefore, they said, he's gone too far, he asked too much, and they went away. Now, the, the truth is, we look at that and we think, man, I, that's hard to even comprehend that they, they said, Jesus, this is too much, we're going away. And I understand what he said probably was a little bit, a little bit tough to chew. That, that, tough to chew, you get that? He's the bread of life. The, uh, but uh, it's a little bit tough to <laughs> swallow. Uh, it's a little bit hard to accept, and I understand that. But, but the truth is, today, we're really at the same place. And there's so many things that scripturally we look at them and we just look and say, uh, I, you know, that's going to make me, that's going to make me look way too strange. That's going to make me stick out way too much. That's going to make me be too weird in this world. Now, fortunately, Peter realized that there was no other option. Amen. And, and realize what I'm challenging us, each of us. You have to come to a point, and I, I may have given you this illustration before, but a college kid came to me one time. He sat down across the desk from me, and he said, I'm quitting. And I, got, I was so tired of, of you know, kids coming in saying this and saying that, and I, just, I looked at him, and I said, well, good. And he said, what? And I said, good. I said, matter of fact, I'm going to quit with you. 
And he said, what, are you serious? And I said, yeah, I'm fed up. I'm tired. I'm weary. You're quitting. I'm quitting. Let's both quit together. And he just kind of stared at me wide-eyed. And I said, okay, you ready? And he said, well, he said, yeah, because I want to quit. I said, okay, let's quit together. And I said, but, but answer one question for me. He said, what? I said, now what are we going to do? What's out there for us? Where'd I go from here? This is what God called me to do. Now, now what I'm going to do? You know, they, I heard it said one time, you know, if you, can, if you can do anything other than the ministry and be happy and be content and feel, then, then go ahead and do it. Because I'll be honest with you, I was looking at that kid and there was nothing in my life I could do without being miserable except what I was doing. What God called me to do. And the truth was, he didn't realize it, but there was nothing he could do. But what God had called him to do. But Peter realized that there's no other option. He, he only is God. God only is God. And he is only the one worthy to be praised and followed. Jesus is the one who has the words of eternal life because Jesus is the word himself. What keeps us strong is the word. For faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Our strength of faith directly correlates with our belief and trust in the word of God. How strong we are in faith correlates to how much we believe this book is true. You say, Brother Hooker, you've been preaching you know, several times on the Word. Of God. You know what? I'm going to keep preaching on it till we grasp this truth. This book is true. Every word of it is true. And it needs to tell us what to do, not us tell it what to do. If I can remember saying this after I say this, I told my wife this. You know, that if, you know, really, I don't know how many people in, you know, how many billions of people are in the world, but however many are, it seems to me that we are in, the, the way the world is today, we want to make that many gods. Because we want a God just particularly for us that does just exactly what we want the way we want it. When you trust in the eternal word and the omnipotent God, there is nothing that he can say that should ever be too hard. When you really believe this is God's word, there's nothing he can say that should be too hard. There really shouldn't be. Now, it simply comes down to the kind of the title of my message, God's way or my way. And I'm going to keep, as I said, I, kind of, I preach similarly to this, but I'm going to keep, keep hitting it. Jesus was willing to speak the truth even if everybody left him. Did you understand that? I, I heard a, an old preacher preach this a long, long time ago. My preacher, he, he said, I'm going to preach the truth if nobody shows up. Now, the, the truth is, is that, uh, you know, I'm sure he never really had to face that reality, but, but you know, I probably do. But I'm going to preach the truth whether nobody shows up. Because the truth is what I'm, God called me to do. He didn't, he didn't call me to be the greatest preacher in the world, obviously. Thank you. God bless you. Uh, he didn't call me to be the greatest preacher in the world. He didn't call me to have the greatest and largest work in the world. And the truth is, we don't know what the greatest one is, really. Uh, but he didn't call me. That, you know what he called me to do? He called me to preach the truth. And then, you know what he told, you know what he saved each one of us to do? He saved each one of us to live the truth and to preach the truth in our own way. Jesus was willing to speak the truth even if everybody left. Man so often desires the crowd more than he desires the truth. 
A simple handful remain, but a small handful, listen, this is what's so amazing, uh, you don't have to, it, I, and I've said this before, but we don't have to have uh, hundreds to reach Memphis. This group right here can reach Memphis if that's what God wants. He really can, because God, uh, Jesus had, really, had 11, uh, he's going to move back up to 12 again, but he had 11 that stayed with him that they went and changed the world. Now, why would anybody turn their backs on Christ? Why would Christians turn their back on Christ? So I'm going to give you just a few things, and, and, uh, and you know, I'm going to venture out to make a statement that a pastor or a preacher should never make. We might get done early. Now, what did you say? <laughs> Number one, why would anybody turn their back? Just as Christ said, he gave us one of the reasons in there. He says some never really believed. You know, one of my son-in-law was talking to me, and I've already mentioned this a time or two, but he, but he just said he, said, he said, Dad, how many people, he said, really, do you think there's more saved or lost in our churches? You know, he has a legitimate question. Because I'm afraid we got a lot more people that don't believe than realize them. Now, let me just give you a little hint. If you bristle every time something in the Word of God is revealed that would demand a change in you, you might want to consider your salvation. You really, you really ought to consider it. You ought to get count. I'm not saying you're lost, but you ought to really consider if every time somebody says this is what the Word of God says and it just causes you the fangs to come out, the hissing to start, the bristling to, to take place, uh, if that takes place because you just don't like it, and here's what you think, some, you know, I, that somebody is trying to tell me what to do, I, I understand it. Somebody is, but if the Word of God just told you, that's not somebody, that's God. And can I help you? Sometimes when you're bristling, I'm going to flip it on you. Sometimes when you're bristling, that might be evidence that the Holy Spirit's in you because you're fighting against Him. But I think it's well worth it because Jesus said, He said, some of you are going to turn away, but He said, some of you never even believed. Some of you never really believed. That's what God said. Some of you never really believed. Number two. You may have surrendered your will to another. If you are ready to turn away from God, when God tells you something that you just are struggling with, it might be that the reason is, the influence behind that is if you've surrendered your will to someone else. By this, I mean this. At this point, Peter stands for Christ and without a doubt influenced others to stand for Christ. Peter stands up and says, where are we going to go? Now, I think behind him, some of the other boys might have been struggling, but he pointed them in the right direction. But that same man a little later is going to say, I go a fishing and six others follow him that way too. And it just may be that you've kind of surrendered. Your, I watched this happen years and years ago. Uh, one fella that, that, that really everybody believed, he knew the Bible better than anybody else in our, in our realm. Uh, he was just so taught and he was, he'd done so much study and he would tell you how good he was. And, and, and uh, uh, he was so good. 
that he got to saying some things and doing some things that I watched, men. I met with five of them individually and said, wake up, fellas. This fella is, he may know the scripture, but he's not interpreting the scripture. And he took five other men, five other staff men right out the door with him. Because they allowed him, they gave up their will to him because, oh, he knows the Bible better than me. Listen to me. Bless God, I'm going to go to the Bible to make that decision. You may have allowed Satan, number three, you may have allowed Satan to influence your mind. So number one, Jesus simply said, some of you never really believed. Number two, some may have surrendered your will to another. Or number three, you may have allowed Satan to influence your mind. And I'm going to give you three ways that I believe today, primarily Satan influences our mind. Number one, through your environmental influences, the way you grew up. You know, the way you grew up is going to, it's what you learned and the way you lived and the only way, in a sense, you know life is to be may have influenced you to turn your back on on Christ. Or it may have been through a traumatic experience that you may have, something may have happened to you. And I'm going to explain these a little bit more, or it may be through temptation that you've succumbed to. You see, it's it's like this, when you talk about especially the temptation, it's like this uh, little cartoon thing I I read one time. It says, uh, you know, it's this little cartoon woman, of course, uh, she says, I will take a drive, she, but I won't go near a store. Now, what she's, the whole thing is she's not wanting to eat too much. And so here's what she says. I will take a drive, but I won't go near the store. Her next statement is, I'll drive by the store, but I won't go in. Next statement, I'll go in, but I, I won't walk down the candy aisle. The next one, I'll go down the candy aisle, but I won't pick up any candy. Next one, I'll pick it up, but I won't buy it. Next one is, I'll buy it, but I won't open it. Next one is, I'll open it, but I won't eat it. And the final statement is just, eat, 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 eat. And that's what happens to us. We, we allow that open door. Satan pushes that door, cracks that door open, and he tells us, so he, he feeds us some kind of temptation, and, and we throw that door open and start to swallow what he's trying to give us. Uh, this is what God means when he says, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. God says that what we think, we're supposed to take that into captivity rather than that allow, allowing that to take us into captivity. So often our imaginations and our thoughts conquer us rather than us taking them captive. And, and, and that's what it really, when you go to James, I'm not going to preach on it tonight, maybe, maybe next week or something, but James chapter 1, verse 12 through 15 says this, Blesses the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Look at this. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempted thee any man. But every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when <clears throat> lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it's finished, bringeth forth death. I want you to notice, and I won't, again, not going to go fully into it, but it's not the temptation that destroys the man. But rather his own lust 
and the greater temptation that occurs because of that lust. You see, it's not, none of us can, can, can be exempt from temptation totally. We can't, we can't <clears throat> go and live in this world without some kind of temptation broadsiding us. That's not the temptation that destroys you. The temptation that destroys you is when you allow that thing to come into your mind and stay into your mind and let it germinate and come to life. Now, hopefully I can put all this together. If you struggle with the simple word of God, ask yourself this. Is it because I've never really believed? Just ask. I mean, you've got to really search your own heart. Do I struggle the word of God because I've never really believed? And when I say believed, I don't mean believe like the devils believe and tremble. I mean, have you ever really sincerely 100% trusted Jesus Christ and him alone take you down. Is it or should you consider have you surrendered your will to another? Let me, let me here's how you check it out. Who do you run to when you have a question? Do you go to the Bible at all? Or do you go to someone else to tell you You see, if that person takes you to Scripture and shows you the Scripture, I don't don't really have a problem with that. But if that person looks at you and says, oh, no, let me tell you what to think. Let me tell you how to act. Let me tell you what to believe. You're in great danger there. Is it because you've allowed Satan to influence your mind? through environmental influences, through traumatic experience, through temptation. You may struggle with something that I or someone else preaches or teaches when you first hear it, but never allow yourself to, listen to me now, never allow yourself to make a decision about accepting or rejecting what you have heard until you have searched the Scriptures to see what God says. Here's what happens. Here's what happens. I preach something. I teach something. Somebody else preaches or teaches something. I'm not saying that, that you just blindly say, oh, whatever he said, it must be right. I'm not going to tell you to have to do that, but I'm telling you this. Don't listen to the other voice that immediately tells you that I'm wrong. If there's a voice in your head that's telling you as soon as I, I preach something from the Word of God that says, oh, that's stupid. Oh, that's ludicrous. Oh, that's ridiculous. Oh, that's, that's, that can't be true. Wait a minute. Why? How are you basing that? It's got to be coming out of your own head. And let me tell you who's planted that into your head. His name is Satan. He puts those thoughts into your head. And you know where they come from? They come from your environment of your growth as you grew up because somebody told you that that's not true. Now watch this. I grew up that way. I grew up in the country out here. And there's a whole lot of things that they'll tell you, oh, that's just the way it is. And there's no basis in Scripture at all for it. But it's what we always did. So it must be all, it must be right. Listen. Well, please be aware that you may begin this journey of accepting the hard sayings. And, and, and I believe it is a growing journey that, that we grow into being able to accept the hard things. 
I understand there are hard things that are, that are taught in a church, church like this. You say, why do you say a church like this? Because I'll be honest with you, some churches today, many churches today just don't say hard things. Those disciples would have never left except Jesus said, okay, you know what? It's time for me to tell you something that you're not going to like. But it's time for me to tell you the truth. And when he told them the truth, they said, hope, nuts enough. We like the miracles. We like the bread and all that fish and all that stuff. But, oh, time out now. You're telling me that you are the bread of life? Uh, no, we're out of here. Now, the, the, the truth is, is that that's the philosophy today. Don't tell anybody anything that they don't want to hear. And I'll be honest with you, I try not to ever, I'm not, I, I'm not exempt from this, but I try my best not to tell anybody my opinions or my philosophy that I think is going to hurt you. I try, if, if you're going to be offended, and if you remember what we read, he said, are you, he tells those disciples, are you offended? And if you get offended, I, I, really, I really want it to be because I told you something from the Word of God. I don't want it to be because of my stinking personality. I don't want it to be because of my, my opinion or my philosophy or my way. If I offend you, it won't be me offending you. It'll be the Word of God. But as you begin this journey of accepting the hard sayings of God through preconceived ideas, see, that's where we begin. We begin, the hard sayings are coming into our heart and mind and, they, and right now, they got to wedge in between preconceived ideas that have come from our previous environment and education. That's why we're in such trouble in our, in our nation today because our educational system is telling them there is no God. Be aware that your journey of accepting the hard sayings of Christ will possibly be influenced by a traumatic experience or even, even just the experiences of life. And by that I mean this, it's, it's, you know, what we had when, when I first started rearing children, all I, the only thing I knew about rearing children, it was the way I was reared. Anybody understand that? Parents understand that? I mean, we didn't know anything. It's not like we had, nobody told us to read a book, and I wouldn't have if they had told me to, but the... Uh, but nobody ever told us to read a book. My wife and I were talking about getting, when we got married, because, you know, yesterday was our anniversary. But, uh, uh, but we were talking about when we got married. We, we were clueless. We didn't know anything. I took her camping on her honeymoon. Okay? We were, cl- and, sh- and she was very privileged to be able to go. And so, but we didn't know anything about anything. Uh, look. At six, I, we got married at 7 o'clock in the evening, which that's a stupid thing to do. You don't get married late at night because that's just terrible. But we at 7 o'clock in the evening. You know where I was at 6 o'clock? I was at steak and eggs with my cousin in my tuxedo eating steak and eggs. <laughs> I didn't know it was supposed to be someplace else. I walked in, and, and, and I'm sitting with all the people talking because, man, I got all these people here that are my friends, and, and I'm talking to everybody and high-fiving, man, I'm just enjoying everything. When the pastor has to come out, send somebody out, say, hey, you need to come here because we need to start the wedding. I didn't know. We were clueless. And, you know, I, what am I talking about? I don't know either. 
Oh, man. I'm telling you, and I'm going to get straightened out soon, I hope. Maybe. I doubt it. But it's the experience. But we didn't know how to rear children. We didn't know anything about it. And, and here, they, you know, Brooke comes along. And that was a traumatic experience for us. But here we come, you know, little ones come along, and, and we don't know how to rear them. And so the only thing we do is, to, is, is we go back in our experiences of life to how we were reared. Well, let me just help you. My mom and daddy didn't know how to rear kids either. But, hey, here's what I did. I was so wonderful. I mean, I turned out incredible. So if I do the same thing with my kids, they'll turn out incredible. Well, first of all, I got girls. And you don't handle them the same. Secondly, you know, your mama slapping you down is probably not the best child, child training method. Now, it worked with us boys because, you know, we learned to keep our mouth shut because mama had a straight right, man. <laughs> you know, but that's probably in this day and age not the best way to do things. My daddy only whipped me three times in my life, and they lasted about seven years apiece because it took me six and a half to recover. And that's probably not the best child-rearing technique. So we didn't know. We knew, we knew absolutely nothing. So, but what we do is, we, in our minds, we think this has got to be right because it's the, way, the only way that I know. And that's what happened to us about the Word of God and about God's Word. We, we, we look and our experience says when something comes up and it's contrary to the way we've lived, the way we've grown, the way we've been taught, the way we, our experiences, we think, well, that can't be right. No, no, the problem is it's right and we're wrong. Now, be aware that Satan tempts more through, think about this, Satan tempts more through our thoughts than he does through our images or sounds. Now, I understand that often it's the images and sounds that initially stimulates the temptation, but it's Satan's ability to bring those images and sounds to our mind again and again that can cause us to reject truth when we're confronted with it. One of the reasons we reject God's Word is because we're in sin, and look, we either got to face we're wrong or we got to reject it so we can continue to do what we're doing. Now, our only true choice is to accept the hard sayings of God as truth and face the reality of them. Now, first of all, in order to do that, you've got to find them. Now, I'm doing my best to kind of preach about some of them, but I'm going to just be honest with you. Uh, we, we're, we've been here a little over a year. I'm trying to be a little bit careful how, so I don't just take a board and knock you in the head with, with some of the truths, but, you know, I'm trying to get you into the Word of God to believe them because, look, truth is still truth. I don't care where society has gone. Truth is still truth. It just is. Otherwise, now listen, we believe something that is not true. Now, when we believe something is not true, and if we think, uh, and if what we think does not reflect truth, now think about this, if we, we believe something is not true, and if we think something that does not reflect truth, then our lives and emotions are built upon a lie. 
If you can grasp what I'm saying, therefore, we do, what we feel does not reflect reality. And now, here, let, me, let me try to make this more clear. I ran this past my wife and daughter. If, if, I believe, and I, if I believe that one of you hates me, and I hope that's not true, but if I believe that one of you hates me, if I believe Brother Bob hates me, that that thought creates an emotion in me. Now watch this. It can cause me to turn away from him. It can cause me to reject him. It can cause me to fear him. It can cause me not to, be a want, to want to be around him. And you're saying, well, all those things are describing your relationship with him. No. But it, it can cause all of those things. Now watch this. I may go up to him and say, finally, you know what? I know you hate me. And he may look at me and say, what? I don't hate you. I love you. That thought, though, is a lie in my head. And you know what it's done? It's, it's affected my emotions. And my emotions are being acted out in a way that's not based in reality. And that's what the devil's doing to us. I had a, a daughter, she came home uh, one, one time, and, and she was crying, and she said, my teacher hates me, my teacher hates me, she's so mean to me, she hates me, she hates me. And I looked at her, and I said, I don't believe that's true at all. And she said, Dad, she hates me. And I said, baby, I don't believe that's true. I said, here's what I want you to do tomorrow. You're going to do what I tell you. You're going you're to go back to the school tomorrow. You're going to walk up to your teacher's desk, and you're going to look at her and say, do you hate me? And this, you know, some of my girls probably wouldn't have done it, but this one did. She went right on up to the desk, and she said, do you hate me? She came home that evening, and she said, Dad, when I said, do you hate me, my teacher started crying and hugged me and told me how much she loved me and what would ever make me think that she hated me. My little girl was being told a lie. Now, what happens is, is that kind of lie enters our mind about Jesus, about God. Now, the environment may tell you it is survival of the fittest. The environment may tell you to lie to protect yourself. The environment may tell you to steal to provide for yourself or your family. Your environment may tell you that, that love is not real and God is not real. You may, may have suffered traumatically, and therefore you believe that all the world is evil and there's no God, for if there was a God, he would not let, let this traumatic thing happen to you. You may have been tempted to sin, to immorality, to steal, to lie, to harm others, and Satan convinced you that none of this is wrong, for it is justified if it brings you pleasure, happiness, or prosperity. The end justifies the means. It may be that at best your life's decision or situation ethics, and if there aren't any ethics at all, then there can be no wrong in any situation. But we must conquer those thoughts with the Word of God by allowing God's Word to be truth, our absolute truth. It becomes God's way or our way. The only way that God, God's way can be our way is when our way agrees with God's way. What are we holding on today that is a product of our environment, our experience, or our temptation? 
my environment told me things were vastly different than the way I live today. Uh, it, it's almost hilarious to me, this, this new generation tells me that we just don't understand being culturally relevant. You know, because we are, you know, we came from the 50s conservatism. And this is a new world today. Hey, anybody here lived through the 70s? You kids don't even know what a wacko world is. You don't even have a clue the craziness of this world and the 60s and the rebellion and the 70s love. Yet we face the same thing. But we also had to face something else. We had to come to a, a realization. I did. My culture that I came from was the rock and roll culture, my afro, my big beard. That was my culture. Dance contests. Don't laugh about that. We, we were into all that culture, but, but when I got saved, somebody came in here. Yeah, come on. Come on. And he kept telling me things, and I had to come to a decision. Am I going to listen to what I'm learning and what the Holy Spirit is telling me about what I learned? One verse changed all of my music. One man over the phone, before I ever been in church or been baptized, said, everything you do should be done to the glory of God. And I, that voice inside of me as I listened to my music and my big pioneer system, as it was blaring and that, that album standing at, staring at me that had a skull with wings through it and little demons around it, I looked at that and listened to it and looked at that, my wife to me and said, this can't glorify God. Now, I had a choice. I could accept or reject that voice. That was it. What are we holding on today that is a product of our environment, our experience, our temptation? It's time to check these ideas, emotions, and beliefs against the Word of God. That's all my challenges tonight. Would you go to the Word of God on anything, anything that you... I just threw out, it wasn't in my notes about music. And I didn't mention any kind of music, but I'm just telling you, uh, you know, that it was that rock culture, rock music scene. And I threw it out. I threw it out five years later when it was the contemporary music because my little three-year-old daughter stood in front of my speaker one day and as I listened to contemporary, because, hey, the words are right now, or supposed to be, you know, you know, it said something about God, so it's got to be right. And so, uh, and so I'm sitting there, and, and, and my little two-and-a-half, three-year-old daughter, that one sitting right there, she walks over to a speaker that was tall as she was and looked at it and stared at it and then looked at me and said, Daddy, rocking music. Where'd that come from? She'd never been to a seminar or nothing. And I told you, Beth, I said, if she thinks that's rocking music, then we're going to get rid of it. And that's when I came to realize it's the music. It's not the words. 
You can have right words and wrong music. You can have wrong music and right words. I think I said the same way. But anyway, it's time to check these ideas and emotions and beliefs against the Word of God. Let our lives conform to God rather than trying to create a God who will conform to us. That's what it comes down to. So, as we always do, my first one was, if you're really, really bristling all the time, all the time, when we teach something from here, that maybe you should check out your salvation. Because my mind before I got saved wouldn't have agreed with breaking all my music. My mind before I got saved had no problem with any place we went down to. My mind before I got saved had no problem with indulging in whatever beverage was there. Never thought a thing about it. As a matter of fact, if you'd come up and tell me that I was wrong for doing it, my philosophy back then was you can ask me to do something and I'll try to do it for you. You try to tell me what to do and I'll spit in your face. That was my lost philosophy. My saved philosophy. Oh, it was a growing thing. But I had to come to grips with God's right. I'm wrong. So you can evaluate your own salvation. You can look at maybe this is some experience of life. This may be your background. It just has programmed your mind that I I never say hardly anything about it, but you you make Catholicism. I've dealt with so many young boys or sailors. They were Catholic, and the only thing that they knew was that they were supposed to believe the priest, not this. That was their upbringing. Believe the priest, not this. Now, you may have come from some similar background where it was believe what you were told, not this. You may have just suffered a great trauma, and you struggle believing in God. Not about salvation, you struggle believing that there is a loving God that knows you, cares about you, and has a plan for your life every day. I'm not sure what it is, but God may have spoken to your heart, but if you're not saved, let's get it, let's get it taken care of. Father, I pray that you bless here tonight, Lord Jesus, thank you.